so I'm tempted to just say um, what she said and sit down. But no, I won't. Uh, today is, the word is the fall. The fall, I'm, I'm not sure you thought much about the fall this week. Um, related to the fall is original sin. I'm not sure you thought much about original sin this week. The notion of original sin, um, or the fall, you know, in Adam's fall, sinned we all. I've had trouble understanding the biology of how what Adam did um, initially is, is transmitted through all these generations to me. It just seems like, you know, so Adam cut his hair really short. Does that mean everybody has short hair now? Yeah, it doesn't make sense how an action somebody did gets transmitted to me, transmitted to me biologically. So that understanding of original sin is hard for me to, to get. Uh, on the other hand, I would say that um, original sin is maybe of all the Christian doctrines the easiest to prove. I mean, just look around. Um, there is sin around us. One person said, you know, those who say uh, humanity is good but lock their front door are liars. Who locks their front door? See, we're pretty good, you know, at that, at what we really say about human nature. Here's kind of my understanding of original sin. Uh, when I think of original, I think of the initial, you know, the original tie made by this designer is the initial tie made by this designer. So, you know, we all have an initial sin in our life. For each one of us, you know, there's the first lie we tell. There's the first violent word we tell. There's the first prejudiced word we tell. There's the first greedy action. So in that sense, we all commit original sin because the, the sin is new with us. I, can, um, I can't remember my first lie. It was probably to get fed more as an infant. But I can remember my first theft. As a child, um, I used to be, you know, when I was five, six, seven, I was really into Roy Rogers and the Lone Ranger. And like all kids my age in the late 50s, you know, we all had cap guns. And we were out shooting our cap guns off. And I wanted my cap gun to have bullets. And because Roy Rogers had bullets, you know, and, and so did the Lone Ranger. But I, I, you know, you couldn't find bullets for a cap gun. So when, when we were at the shopping center, my family, um, and we were in the drugstore, I saw these things that really looked like bullets. Golf tees. <laughs> and I stole them. I stole the bag of golf tees. Now, nobody in my family was a golfer. And, and you know, we, we left the store, we got in the back seat, and, and the, my sister and I got in the back seat, and mom said, what are these golf tees? And I said, well, they're bullets for my gun. Did you steal these? Well, yeah, I took them, you know? They were shiny, and they appealed to me, so I took them, you know? Um, well, we had to go back to the store, and I had to 
walk up to the manager of the store and hand them back and confess my sin to the manager of the store. But that was my original theft. You know, and I, I remember it very vividly. Um, when we talk about original sin and the fall, I think what we're really talking about is our view of human nature. And we all have a view of human nature, how we view ourselves, how we view um, our neighbor, and how we view the God that created us. For International uh, Women's Day, on Friday, Susan and I watched Wonder Woman. Uh, Susan tends to identify with Wonder Woman. And, and um, at the end of Wonder Woman, as she and Ares, evil, are fighting it out and throwing each other around and throwing lightning bolts at each other, they engage in this dialogue about the nature of humanity. And, and Ares, the, the, the god of evil and war, says, humanity is born evil, it's awful, it can't be improved, humanity should be wiped out. And the point of war is to wipe out humanity. And Wonder Woman comes back at him and says, no, humans are good, and they're worth saving, and humans have compassion, and they have caring, and they show mercy, and humans need to be loved. And they go on, and I mean, this goes on for like 15 minutes, this, this debate about human nature. Now, if Wonder Woman, you know, is debating human nature, <coughs> I think we can think about human nature. And I think there are two, two views of this when we think about it. <coughs> One is that we are born with original sin. We are just born sinful. We are just born evil. We are just born wrong. And as you know, Gwen pointed out, if we, if we just keep saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you should be ashamed, 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 we start to believe that we are shameful and bad and evil. I remember reading a, a, a friend's ordination paper for a different denomination. Um, and this ordination paper went on and on about human depravity and how evil human beings are and how much in need of Christ's death and, and salvation we are. And, and I just wanted to kind of turn off the lights and sit in the dark. I thought, my gosh, it's awful. We are awful beings. You know, and, I, and he was kind of writing this to say, you know, look and compare God to human beings. Human beings are so awful. And doesn't that make God look good? And I thought, do we have to be so evil to make God look good? My sister, I find my sister shows up a lot in this sermon. Um, my sister and I, when we were younger, would at church and we were going through the prayer of uh, consecration for communion and it, there's a line in the old prayer that says we are not worthy to gather up the crumbs under your table O lord and my sister leaned over to me and said do you believe you're that bad and i said no and she said i don't either yeah then another story 
on born into evil and depravity. Um, you know, we, we baptized our daughter Maria soon after she was born, and, and we had the grandparents and, you know, our extended families over to, to witness the baptism and, and to have a meal that, that Susan uh, prepared and hosted. And while we were waiting for Susan to, to serve the meal, um, we were in the living room, and, and Maria was lying there in her, her white baptismal gown with a, a white, you know, bonnet on, and my sister said, you know, to me, why did you have her baptized? And my mother-in-law immediately said, to wash away the taint of original sin so she won't go to hell. And I thought, wow. And my sister again looked at me and said, do you believe that? And I said, well, not really. Well, that made for a lively dinner conversation. <laughs> yeah. So that's born with, born with sin. It's a, it's a bleak view of human nature. The other view is born into sin. That we're born into a world where we're born with the image of God, but we're born into a world where that quickly gets forgotten or erased because, you know, things in the world that we're born into shape us and affect us, you know. A person born into racism will be affected by that racism. And the image of God gets kind of washed out. You know, a person born into sexism starts to believe that they're inferior and second class. A person born into, into homophobia starts to believe that they're sinful. A person born into poverty or homelessness or abuse or violence you know, starts to be affected and shaped by that. I'm taking this course at, at Ohio State, a history course on crime and, and justice in, in, in the United States uh, from colonial times onward. And We've been spending the last weeks on why is America so violent? Why are we so much more violent than other cultures? And what the author of the book we're reading maintains, is, and this really surprised me, because when the professor asked the class, we said, well, you know, there's, there's access to guns, which is true, which is more than any other society. There's access to violent video games and movies, yeah. Here's what the, the professor and the, the book that we're reading maintains. That one of the main reasons why America is so violent is the notion of honor. Honor. What you think of me. You know, if you say I'm a liar, you think lowly of me and you have dishonored me and I have to demand satisfaction from you. You've offended my honor. And the book focuses on slavery in the South and slave owners, how honor was so important 
And the incidence of violence in the South was so much higher in the North because of this notion of honor. You had to demand satisfaction, which led to dueling, which led to just murders, and led to violence and shaming. A person born into honor, strangely, is born into a world of violence where they're always defending their honor. You didn't respect me, and I demand that you respect me. And how will I get you to respect me? I'll hit you. I'll shoot you. I'll lie about you. Views of punishment in our history are determined by how we view human nature. In colonial America, the notion of human nature was that we were born depraved. We were born evil. So punishment was punishment. It was shaming. With the Declaration of Independence, where all people are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, and actually with the rise of the Methodist movement, where people were believed to be born good and perfectible and redeemable, the notion of punishment changed that people weren't just written off, they were considered salvageable. They were considered worthy of rehabilitation. And that was determined by our view of human nature. So our view of human nature shapes how we see our neighbor. Do we see our neighbor as irredeemable, not worth our time, worth writing, on, uh, writing off? Or do we see our neighbor as redeemable, as somebody worth saving, somebody worth dealing with, somebody worth talking to? Do we see God as someone who's against us because of our sin and shame? Or do we see God as someone who is for us against our sin and shame. And we, when we look in the mirror, do we see evil and depravity and shame? Or do we see the image of God that God wants to restore? You know, it's important how we see human nature. I don't think it's, I, you know, a lot of Genesis we, we ask, you know, did it happen? Is it historical? I don't think it's that important to try to figure out, did it happen? I think it's important to realize it happens. You know, it, it talks about Adam and Eve crossing boundaries. That happens. 
It happens today. I mean, what's going on in the Catholic Church? What's going on the, in the Baptist Church? It happens. Boundaries are crossed. We read it in the news. Do people partake of what they shouldn't partake of? Adam did. Eve did. We do too. Do we try to hide from people what we're doing? Yeah. Adam did. Eve did. We do too. It happens. Do we resist authority and try to take control? It happens. You know, we talk about controlling people. Do we do stupid things? Do we say idiotic things that are hurtful and separate us from our neighbor? It happens. But here's the important part of that fall story. It doesn't end there. Does God meet this human sinfulness, this world of sinfulness, with grace? Yeah, it happens. And grace abounds. In this book we're reading on honor as, this, as one of the prime movers of violence, the author makes a distinction between honor and dignity. Honor has to do with what people think of me. Dignity has to do with what goes on inside of me. So whether you think I'm evil or bad, the dignity I have within me helps me weather what you think of me. Because I know when I look in the mirror, I see God's child. Dignity is what grace gives us. Dignity is what grace leads us toward and makes possible. I think we're born um, with a sense of wonder and far-sightedness and wide-eyedness, but quickly we lose that and become very near-sighted and see only ourselves, only our hurt, only our self-righteousness, only what happens to us, and we don't see God in our neighbor. And I think what God's grace does in response to what happens in our lives, what God's grace does is restore that wide-eyedness. It restores that far-sightedness so we can see our neighbor as a child of God and we can see God as the giver of grace. May it be so. Amen.